Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex. I'm Jawad as always. Thank you for tuning in. It's the 16th of May, a Thursday as always, and here we are after the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, and probably not the result we were expecting. Probably the whole season so far hasn't been what everyone expected during the preseason, but it is what it is. Um, Mercedes, they're just doing it like a mic check at the moment. Um, one, two, one, two, one, two. Um, fifth one, two for them this weekend in Spain. Championship lead extending. And yeah, everyone behind them just left scratching their heads, I guess. And that's, you know, the situation that Ferrari's in at the moment. And you would have thought, you wouldn't have thought after testing eight days that they had it. Um, they were so strong, they were quick, it was Mercedes that was left to ask questions about how they're going to turn their season around, instead it's been the other way around, um, Ferrari I guess not even the second fastest on the day in Spain, they were third fastest behind the Red Bull as well, so you know, what, what can they do to fix this for themselves, anyway we'll talk about that in a second but yeah for Lewis Hamilton Mercedes perfect start to the race Bottas was on pole um by quite a big margin as well it was a six tenths six tenths he had in qualifying it was his third pole in a row so good job from Bottas so far this season in general but Lewis Hamilton just made the perfect start got the getaway and in a way I think that win for him was like a statement him making a statement that you know yeah, Bottas got the better of him in qualifying the day before, but then he came out and delivered the goods during the race and also scoring the points for the fastest lap as well. Um, you know, the first time he's done that this season. So, yeah, you know, even if this championship is going to not involve Ferrari this year, perhaps we can see the two Mercedes guys fight each other, kind of like 2016. And that's what um, Bottas is going to have to try and do is to take advantage of Hamilton, try and find those cracks and um, take advantage of the vulnerable, the vulnerabilities of him because we know Hamilton isn't perfect and let's be honest, he hasn't made the best of start, like that's not the right thing to say, he hasn't made a perfect start to the season so um, even though he's won three races now, one of which I guess he inherited from, um, from Charles Leclerc in Bahrain but hasn't been perfect and Hamilton does tend to take a bit of time sort of in this European part of the season is where he finds his groove like we saw that last year when he was fighting um, Sebastian Vettel for the championship that it wasn't until sort of Baku and then heading into Barcelona and all those races that come after that do we see Hamilton actually find that mojo and then of course heading into that middle part of the season we got Hungary, Germany, um uh, Silverstone as well, that's where we really see Hamilton come into his own group, but at the moment, it's only, what, seven points, I think, between the two guys out the front, and Hamilton in the lead, of course, again, so, you know, watch the space between those guys, and I've written an article today, actually, um, just talking about how, what now for the championship this year, because obviously, it's going to take a miracle for Ferrari to come back and actually recover that points deficit that they've got they're going to have to just go on some kind of amazing run and win like every race now for the rest of the year to be able to fight for the championship but that's you know 
more bizarre things have happened than that. So, well, sorry, it sounds pretty bizarre for that to happen and it doesn't seem likely given that they still they still haven't really conceded yet whether they've got their design philosophy wrong for this season. Um, going furthermore, they've got more power, of course, but it's the aero that they're lacking, the downforce that they're lacking this season, which Mercedes seem to have the advantage with. We always used to talk, we always used to talk about Mercedes being a team that, you know, they've executed the power perfectly and everything else will fall into place. But yeah, you know, getting that downforce is pretty key as well. And this year they've done a good job of it, have Mercedes. So it means through your high-speed corners, they get to make up the time that Ferrari is losing. And even though they've had that power upgrade Ferrari, they even on the straights, they have no answer because the Mercedes is so much better through the corners. And of course, the racetrack has plenty of corners too so who knows what the fix is going to be for Ferrari are they going to just you know cut their losses at this stage I mean I know it's only five races into a 21 race season but if they're falling behind Red Bull now at this stage because um, we had Verstappen finishing on the podium again this weekend first time since Australia he's been on the podium um, if they're going to fall behind Red Bull then we're back to sort of 2015, 2016 um, standards for Ferrari, uh, the standard of results, because you got to also take into account that, yeah, they've had some um, changes. Uh, they've had some changes over the off-season as far as management is concerned, of course, with um, Matteo Bonotto taking over. I was always a bit, I'm not going to say sceptical about it, but always had some doubts now I don't want to hit on them too much about that I think the change was probably made for the better but the fact that he was just a you know that he was a technical director well first he was the engine guy then the technic became technical director putting him into that position of now being team principal as well whether it's too much pressure he seems like a very calm guy very smart guy but making him team principal I guess you know whether the issues with management the fact that you know there's too much pressure on the team that's I think something that could be looked at in the future I mean you look at Mercedes and their structure you've got Toto Wolf then you've got um, James Allison who is the boss for and then you've got James Allison who's your technical man so if you know, Ferrari do have uh, Laurent Mekis now as their technical chief, but there would be a lot of influence still coming from um, from Binotto as far as that's concerned as well. So that's something probably at the end of the season they might look at. But at the same time, like given change of management is a huge thing in any organisation. It's not just, you know, you put a new guy in and especially with Formula One, how complex it is putting a new guy in is not going to produce results straight away so perhaps this was always going to be something that would take some time but you know um i don't know i've got to check if this actually comes through but yeah for the second week in a row i've had a facebook call interrupt um while i'm recording so now to get back to where i was but yeah any change of management is going to be significant so whether it's gonna it that's the reason for where ferrari are at the moment but 
I don't know, but we're just, yeah, it's going to have to come at the end of the season where we can really dissect what's gone wrong. Um, at the moment, you could say, yeah, as far as just performance on track is concerned, they've just, they're just lacking the downforce, they've gone with the wrong philosophy. That's probably, you know, what you, we can say at the moment. But anyway, let's talk more about the race as well. So start of the race, pretty exciting because the run into turn one is always pretty key as to who who's going to come out on top in Barcelona. So there was three abreast. There were three drivers abreast going into turn one. So the two Mercedes and Sebastian Vettel. Vettel lost out to Verstappen and pretty much stayed behind the Red Bull for the whole race. Whereas Hamilton, he took the perfect start and got away. And then Bottas was pretty much second for the entire day. Um, Ferrari, a lot of positional changes during the race too. So Leclerc was put in front of Seb after Seb flat-spotted his tyres flat going into that turn one with the other two guys. Um, and just didn't have the tyres to, to stay ahead. So they put Leclerc ahead. But then Leclerc could not really catch Verstappen, didn't have the pace at all. And then Ferrari took a gamble on the hard tyre um, for Leclerc to see if he could run to the end of the race with that. But even with the tyres at the moment, Ferrari just seemed to not be turning them on very well. You know, we said, oh, maybe they'll be better on the medium tyre, not happening, soft tyre, not happening. And even on the hard tyre to see if they could run to the end of the race, it didn't end up doing anything and then they had to put Seb back in front of Leclerc so finished fourth and fifth um, Leclerc getting another pit stop because they had a safety car come out late so yeah you couldn't even run those hard tires to the end of the race and um, meant that yeah Leclerc again finishing in fifth so with a lot of questions to be asked of you know these strategic calls and everything it just seems that there's no confidence in Ferrari and um, these calls that they're making so I don't know you know this is where when you compare Ferrari and Mercedes Mercedes have just been the class of the field for five years now six going into six years now for a reason because not only are their drivers winning races or they've delivered the winning package it's the, a team effort where you know down to the pit stops the strategists and everything I mean how many times you, you could probably count on your hand you could count using one oh, blah, 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 blah. you could count on the fingers of one hand how many times Mercedes have made any strategic errors over the last few years compared to Ferrari where you're going to need you know your hands and your, you're going to need your fingers and your toes I'm sure to do that so yeah that's you know another way to compare the two is how they work in the other departments strategy pit stops and everything I mean there was a slow stop for Seb I think the first stop so you know even that you worry every time Ferrari do a pit stop because you think something could go wrong I mean how many times, how many times last year when they were in a commanding position or in a race winning position that I would be biting my nails whenever they'd come into the pit stops? It's like watching the Haas team when they um, stuffed up their pit stops last year at the Australian Grand Prix. So even when Kimi was leading in Texas, I was like, oh no, what are they going to do? Are they, is it going to be fine? Is it going to be fine? And yeah, ended up being okay. So yeah, you know, just the lack of confidence, I guess, that you have in them at the moment for these sort of things but yeah where do they go so yeah fourth and fifth for Vettel and Leclerc sixth Pierre Gasly again in the Red Bull just 
quietly chipping away. So in the midfield, Haas, I guess, were probably the team that validated uh, their updates that they brought to Barcelona. So back in the points, back looking a bit more consistent. So Kevin Magnussen 7th and Roman Grosjean lucky to keep 10th in the end because he had a Alexander Albon all over him towards the end of the race. Um, and, you know, last couple of races they've been missing. They've just not had race pace and they've been not really at one with those Pirelli tyres either. So for them to get back up in there is quite good. Um, 15 points they are to in total now in the Constructors' Championship, sitting sixth, not too far behind, well, only seven points behind McLaren, who are in that fourth place. And McLaren, again, you know, scored points with uh, Carlos Sainz, I guess, salvaged points in a way because they didn't start inside there well they didn't qualify in the top 10 and then Lando Norris ended up finding Lance Stroll and took each other out of the race and that's why that safety car came late later on in the piece um, but yeah for Sainz to finish in eighth was pretty solid he had another Toro Rosso accompanying him with Danny Kvyat so he ended up scoring points to the Russian even though Albon missed out, so great result for those guys, keeping that midfield battle pretty pretty lively, and I guess that's what, you know, I also talk about in the article is that, you know, not, even though people will probably switch off now for the rest of the season, given that Mercedes have scored another 1-2 finish and it looks like it's going to be their championship, at least people will still stay interested in the midfield and seeing what goes on there because it's very tight. I mean, you look at McLaren, they're sitting fourth in the constructors, 22 points, and Toro Rosso, who are down in ninth, are only on, they're on six, which is not too far behind, I guess, with the other guys. But when you look at, you know, Racing Point, Haas, Alpha, Renault, they're only covered by 10 points, basically. So, this will be very interesting to see how that goes. Renault, again, disappointing race for them. Frustrating race, I guess, because Hulkenberg had to start from the pit lane and just came back and finished really nowhere. Ricardo, no points for him again, even though he was actually racing Carlos Sainz um, through most of the race, so they couldn't really stay together. Sainz ended up scoring points, whilst Renault didn't. Um, and I guess it'll be frustrating for Renault to see that their customer team, their only customer team this year in McLaren, are, you know, they're 10 points ahead of them in the Constructors' Championship. They're sitting in that fourth place where we thought, where we thought Renault should be. So who knows what's going to happen with Renault soon. Talk about it every week, it seems, and... You know, Ferrari and Renault, probably the biggest disappointment so far this year, you know. And when I mean disappointment with Renault, and I'm going to repeat myself here, disappointment is the fact that they're not finishing in the points in every race. They're not even on the cusp of top six or whatever. So, yeah, that's disappointing. Not the fact that they're not on the podium or anything like that. That looks like it won't happen at all this season if things continue to go as the way that they are. So... Um, yeah, not much to add there with Renault, but who knows? Maybe they can turn things around. We've still got a lot of races to go. Quickly as well, so that point for Roman Grosjean, it was his first point all season, so he opens his points account. A bit unlucky in the early races was old uh, Rogro, but yeah, looking good now, the Haas team, apart from the fact that they've got some trouble with their title sponsor rich energy they got taken to court over their um logo the uh stag 
which I find quite cool, but apparently they copied it from a, um, a bike or a bicycle company or something. So whether they're going to have to change, make changes or anything like that, we'll just have to wait and see. But I quite like the, the Haas logo. And, you know, the big mission for me when we're at the Australian Grand Prix was um, trying to find out more about rich energy and everything. And obviously scoring scored a couple of cans of them and you know they you know the product itself uh, taste wise and you know structure of the can as well just seems a bit what do you call it tastes a bit awfully similar to another big energy drinks brand out there so i'll just leave it at that but you know the can keeping the can was a, a nice memento i guess and i do love the stag logo and you know the black and gold color scheme as well for for rich energy and now for the house car so yeah so championship points wise as i said it's seven points at the top between hamilton and bottas extra point there for hamilton for fastest lap back in third is max verstappen ahead of uh, Vettel and Leclerc and then behind those guys there's a big gap to the next driver Pierre Gasly and then of course your midfielders so yeah you know they've really broken free have the top three teams um, of the rest of the competition apart from if you're Pierre Gasly but just shows you how they're in another league at the moment and then Mercedes now in its own league itself well ahead so what are we going to see come Monaco? Another Mercedes one too. Could be also an opportunity for Red Bull to to score a win like they did last year with Daniel Ricciardo. So their car always pretty well suited to to Monaco, and you know first win for them and for for Honda in F one as well since they were previously in sport. You know that would be pretty momentous and quite momentous too. The fact that Red Bull end up winning a race before Ferrari do this season, very reminiscent of 2016. You could say 2016 where Ferrari didn't even win a race that year and Red Bull won like three or something. So yeah, interesting times ahead. We did have two days of testing though after the race in Barcelona. So no surprise to see Mercedes on top on both days. So we had Bottas in the car first day and Nikita Mazepan in the car for the second day. So Mazepan, um, Russian driver in F2. He's done some testing for Racing Point or Force India in the past. So um, gets his opportunity with Mercedes this time round and goes faster. So good good on him. Um, talk a bit of, let's talk a bit of F2 now, actually. Let's talk a bit about F2 then. And we're three rounds into the championship for F2. And um, it does sort of look like a one-horse race at the moment, if you want to say that. Um, Nicholas Latifi, of course, leading the championship. He's got a 26-point lead now, pretty big, and he's had three wins this season so far. Um, but I guess his rivals have just sort of had a bit of had a bit of inconsistency. So over the weekend, we had Latifi win the feature race, and then Nick DeVries winning the um, sprint race on the Sunday sort of putting himself forward as a, as a contender now. Um, Luca Giotto, of course, sitting second in the championship. I guess that DNF that he had in Baku really hurt and put him that far behind um, Latifi, but he was able to cut the deficit on Sunday. Um, he finished fourth in the first race, and then third, he was on the podium um, in, the, in the sprint race. Sorry, second in the sprint race behind DeFries. 
Callum Eilert scored his first podium as well in the sprint race too. And then he was testing the Alfa Romeo car on the uh, Tuesday after the race and ended up crashing it. So that's um, Mick Schumacher's teammate is... No, it's not. I keep getting this mucked up. Callum Eilert is racing for the Sauber Junior team, not Prema. Sean Galeel is Mick Schumacher's teammate, yeah. And speaking of Mick Schumacher, he copped a penalty over the weekend for cutting turn two um, in that first or second race, I can't remember, uh, to pass the um, uh, Baku race winner, Jack Aitken. So wasn't too happy about that. He copped a penalty and five second, I think, and got sent to the back of the field. So, yeah, not too rosy that weekend for... Not too rosy a weekend for young Mick that weekend, but yeah, it's been a bit unpredictable so far this season. You know, we've had a variety of different podium finishes. So, of course, Eilot getting his first podium. We also had uh, the young Guan Guan Yu Su Guan Yu Zhao finish on the f- podium as well for the first time. Um, so he's teammate to Giotto at the Uni Virtuosi team. So those guys. Uh, sharing the podium over the weekend but even though Latifi's 26 points ahead which is you know they're using the same point system as F1 and have the um, 25 points for a win I think anyone can still have a shot at this well not anyone but you like the likes of Giotto and De Vries who are not too far behind even Jack Aitken you know he who won in Baku could be a contender as well. So I wouldn't just say this one is signed, sealed and delivered to uh, Latifi already, but, you know, it could be exciting with those guys behind. I mean, DeFries has been in F2 for a couple of years now, and there was also the news last week about DeFries or the week before that he's cut ties with McLaren now. So he's been on McLaren's books for quite some time. I mean, I remember, you know, going back to like 2011 or 2012, hear about this young guy, Nick DeVries, I'm like, he looks like he's about 10, and he's uh, on McLaren's books there, and I'm like, when is he going to step up and everything, so yeah, he's cut ties with McLaren now, obviously quite sad, but still a genuine contender to potentially move forward into F1, another exciting Dutch talent, and we'll be talking a bit of Dutch I'm not going to be talking Dutch, but we'll be talking about the Dutch (laughs) later on in the podcast as well, so uh, exciting for that, but also, yeah, Giotto, Aitken as well, all really good drivers, and Latifi too, not a slouch himself either, so, you know, I don't think any of those guys will possibly be getting into F1 next year or anything, but, you know, there is no, there's no denying, you know, perhaps in the future that one of those guys could potentially break through, so, yeah, we're going to have more F2 action and F3 started as well. So Formula 3 now, they've got that pyramid, as Jean Todd so described at the Australian Grand Prix, that it's now come under a, a pyramid with F1, F2 and F3 um, and the proper pathway. So good to see that all in action. Moving it on then, and um, new category, actually. Talk, talk about a new category starting up in Australia or... Well, coming to Australia this weekend, TCR. So, don't know if everyone's familiar with TCR or not. I haven't been very familiar, apart from now 
having read about it a little bit more um, and actually uh, was aware of it, you know, with the cars and everything, Forza Motorsport. <laughs> if you, if in doubt, always go to Forza Motorsport. Eh? Games always solve everything. But yeah, so it's like a universal touring car category. So they use production hatchbacks. So very sort of basic formula. They all get capped at 350 horsepower. Um, you know, the you, and when I mean universal, I mean all over the world, they have this, you know, set up in each, whichever country wants it, and they use the same cars, so, you know, Honda Civics, Subaru Impreza's, Hyundai i30s, even the Audi RS3 is involved as well, so, you know, fairly cheap to run as well, from what I hear, and they've got a 17 car field for this weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park, so the first round of the TCR Australia Championship, and, you know, it seems pretty exciting, like, any new motorsport category is exciting, and you know, you've got some supercars teams, the V8 supercar teams actually involved as well in this. So GRM have got a few cars that they're fielding, Kelly Racing as well involved. And then you look at the drivers, the roster of drivers that they've got, you know, like Tony Dalberto, who's Fabian Coulthard's co-driver at DJR Penske, James Moffat, Chris Pither, who are distinguished drivers as well. Molly Taylor, the Australian Rally champion as well, she'll be in the category. And then very interestingly, Andre Heimgartner, so the only driver in the grid who's actually also competing in a full-time supercars um, season as well is going to be doing TCR, so that's good to see. Um, it'll be free to it'll be free to view as well, so it'll be on SBS. So I'm sure a lot of people will catch that, see how it's like. I'll I'll try to see if I'm available to view it. Um, as I was talking about last week, actually, about how the success of the night race in supercars, as far as timing is concerned, you know, it really gives you, as much as I love racing, when there's no racing on during the day on the weekends um, that I'm not working, it's actually quite, it's quite good because it opens your day up and you're not sort of restricted to be sitting in front of the TV um, watching a race or whatever. So that's why I'm sort of hit and miss as to whether I'll watch it live or not, but definitely going to view the highlights and everything and see how, what the product is like. These cars, obviously, because they're so close to each other as far as the specifications, you know, it should be a close category, um, like close competition and stuff. And there has been a bit of debate and talk, though, which I wanted to address as well about whether this product is going to threaten supercars in a way, because obviously supercars is the premier touring car category in Australia and has been for a long time. Um, but now we've got this overseas series come in with these cars that, you know, they're cheap, of course. You've got so many different brands involved too. And um, it's already attracted a pretty, pretty big grid, 17 cars. And they've got a pretty solid roster of drivers too. So... Um, personally, yeah, no, I don't think it will. It's like that age-old question about whether Formula E is going to topple Formula 1. No, it's, even though it's there, it's not going to happen. And TCR, as good as it potentially could be, it's not going to be the same as supercars. Supercars, what makes it so great is the fact that, you know, we've got these you know, the battle of the brands, I guess, you know, Holden versus Ford, it's a key part of the, the narrative, 
but also big V8 engines. It's like one of the only categories that can sort of get away with that these days where everyone's gone hybrid or electric and stuff like that, smaller engines, supercars, the excitement is in A, the parity, which I know has been a big bone of contention this year, but also, you know, the spectacle that comes out of it, you know, the big engines, big noise as well, the the bangs on the, the downshifts and the upshifts, you know, it's like a gunshot basically. Um, and just the cars look really cool too. So, and seeing them up on two wheels when you do places like Gold Coast and Adelaide, it's just spectacular. So it's not something I think will ever be replaced. And, you know, that this is where supercars as well sits on a bit of a crossroads as to what its future is going to look like, you know. Does it go down a route where it tries to bring itself in line with all these other touring car categories does it go down the dtm route and you know try and get some hybrid involved into it use smaller engines or whatever or does it keep that you know the loud big engine at its heart like we know holden ditched the v6 twin turbo concept that they were working on um and now obviously with the changing body styles into the sport so bringing in the hatchback of course with the new commodore the Opel <laughs> that it is and the Ford Mustang this year and what's going to happen I guess when Chevrolet want to bring in that Camaro <laughs> so yeah a lot of questions for supercars to ask but I don't think true TCR is going to affect any of this if anything it'll just be another great category to watch and obviously being on the um, the Shannon's National Ross Shannon's Nationals roster as well is going to be great so you know pairing up with the the Super 5000 and of course the um, GT category as well I think it should be just an exciting thing to watch and if you I haven't been to a Shannon's Nationals weekend I'd love to um, might try to get down to Sandown I think this year that they're going to be at um, uh, Sandown will be a good one to go to and I know that they're going to be at the Bend Motorsport Park as well in a couple of months time but I won't be going to that I'm actually going to be at the the Super Sprint, the Ben Super Sprint this year, already made plans to go there, um, so that'll be exciting, going to Adelaide, I've never been to Adelaide, so I'm quite excited <laughs> about that, probably the highlight of my week so far has been organising this trip to Adelaide, but anyway, getting back to the point, um, yeah, they're not going to, they're not going to threaten supercars in any way, if anything, it's going to be a great category alongside um, to watch in Australia and just gives opportunities to drivers who may not have the chance to get into supercars so of course James Moffat I'm sure would be would you know love to be a full-time driver still in supercars but at the moment is a co-driver he's with Chas Mostert Tony Dalberto as well a co-driver Chris Pither co-driver as well so you know I'm sure we'll see more of those drivers that are unable to race in supercars the main game like you see Alex Rulo actually is in it so he hasn't found a way back to supercars since that one season that he did with um, Lucas Dumbrell a couple of years ago so you know I'm sure this will keep everyone busy who is unable to get to supercars and who knows maybe that new Bathurst event that they've put the tender out for um, could be for TCR so maybe have like a TCR race at Bathurst and I know TCR doesn't do endurance races I think they're just meant to be like short short races 30 minutes or something like that so yeah we'll see how this one pans out and I guess to finish things off it's time to hit the globe again have a look what's going around 
what's going on around the world of motorsport, sport, and life in general. Probably not so much life this time, but sport in general. Um, so mentioned Dutch stuff before. Um, Nick de Vries is Dutch, so is Max Verstappen. And they're going to have a Dutch Grand Prix next year, which is going to be very exciting. So Zandvoort's going to be back on the calendar. Possibly, probably, it will take over that slot that Barcelona currently fills. So a lot of work to be done on the facilities to bring them up to F1 standards, the modern day F1 standards, of course. So yeah, it's been interesting, this flurry of old races now coming back. You know, we had Austria, Mexico had its um, has its time as well. Potentially that could be going off the calendar we hear too. Um, and, you know, Las Vegas, Miami, I don't know. They never, yeah, they never had a race in Miami. Getting a bit of dust up the nose does make you go all a bit funny. Um, but yeah, no, Zandvoort, exciting. Flurry of these old races. So Austria, Mexico, um, France now back on the calendar too. So sort of going back to the future with the, the F1 calendar. But yeah, as I said last week, it just means that we're going to lose a couple of races. Spain and Germany have been the ones that have been said that will be dropped. I was reading something about Mexico potentially um, not being renewed either moving forward so that would be a great shame given that Mexico has been quite popular since its comeback I think it's been voted like race of the year or best event um, on the Formula One calendar for the last couple of years so that'd be a great shame for that um, Indy 500 news so they had the Indy GP Grand Prix of Indy last week Simon Paginal winning of course that and now the Indy 500 testing has commenced and Penske looking quite quick and I like the livery that Joseph Newgarden has actually quite reminiscent of the Shell V Power livery on the the Ford Mustangs in the supercars category but I guess more people are going to be more um, having their eyes on Fernando Alonso and he ended up crashing on the second day of testing so not a great start for old Fred in his first uh, or second attempt at the Indy 500 but of course you know the race is still a week away this is all just testing you know it, it things will probably get better for them um NRL stuff so the magic round a success you could say it was um all the games being played at one venue being Suncorp Stadium talk about possibility of moving it elsewhere like you know you wouldn't have it in Sydney because no one turns up to games in Sydney anyway, as it is. Brisbane, I guess, perfect because it's a rugby league sort of heartland up there. And you've got your three Queensland teams, of course. You know, possibly bring it down to Melbourne um, could be good. Means I can go. <laughs> but I would definitely, just watching it on TV and seeing the atmosphere, it's definitely something I'd like to plan to go to next year. Um, and actually attend a few games because, you know, the thing that was said quite a lot was the fact that fans can actually, the fans who normally don't get to see every team play, you know, got to actually see every team play as well as, you know, kids who wanting autographs and signatures and stuff like that. They can see players that they don't normally come across. So it's always... Um, a benefit when it's like that so you know leave it in Brisbane for now I'm sure it'll be good for the tourism there too so you know it'll get me up there next year for sure so you know I was kind of bummed to 
not have planned anything for State of Origin this year. Would have liked to have gone up to Suncorp for that, and that's something you've got to sort of do in advance because State of Origin at Suncorp, of course, is very popular and the tickets go right quickly and I think now the only thing that's available unless it's already sold out would be nosebleeder stuff so there's no point me flying up there for the day just to just to sit in with the nosebleeders so yeah just gonna have to watch that one on tv again this year but you know we'll do it next year that's for sure if we could do magic ground and state of origin two trips to Brisbane or if they um sorry or go to Ains I'd prefer to go to Brisbane actually to watch State of Origin I wouldn't want to go to ANZ Stadium I've never been there but just just don't like it (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) yeah that dust is nasty so yeah um some great games of course Melbourne Storm they're thrashing at Parramatta that was quite fun to watch given that um, I had Cameron Munster in my super coach team and he just you know had quite a few good players with big scores, triple-figure scores over the weekend. Cameron Munster, James Tedesco, I think, as well, um, with the Roosters taking on... Um, who did they play? Canberra, that's right. You know, that was going to be a good game but until the Roosters just turned on the Jets. And then uh, Damien Cook again, thrashing my Cowboys, um, which was quite sad. But anyway, you know, it's not going to be... a You know, they'll be lucky to even finish top eight this year, so... Yeah, I'll just have to accept that, but move on. Um, so, yeah, Magic Round, I like the concept, you know, and bringing, obviously, best way to engage with the fans all in one place. You know, your real hardcore fans, of course, will fly up for, for it, you know, from wherever they are. Um, and I'm sure there would have been a lot of people in and around Queensland, you know, from Townsville and from the Sunshine Coast, obviously, coming down, the Gold Coast as well for their team. So... Yeah, it's a great way to bring everyone together and, um, you know, see some good footy too. And there was a lot of good footy over the weekend. So that's, I guess, what Suncorp does as a venue. It's just one of those special places, um, no matter what sport it is. And finally, uh, the NBA playoffs. So started talking about the NBA again last week, the basketball, and we've got our conference finals all booked in and the first game's already done for both conferences so we have Golden State up against Portland and Milwaukee up against the Toronto Raptors so that game just wrapped up before not too long ago and Milwaukee getting the getting the job done on the Raptors in the first game and Golden State who are without Kevin Durant I don't know for how long but maybe the entirety of this series which I guess they should they should easily breeze plot uh, breeze past Portland so you know you could potentially see it done in four games which will be good for the Warriors because then they'll be well rested for the finals Bucks and Raptors should be a good series though that should be quite tight um, between those guys so you know Kawhi Leonard coming up against um, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo the Greek freak so those guys set to lock horns, and today, yeah, it was um, the Bucks who got the job done. And you know, Milwaukee—I think first time since 2001 that they've actually been in a conference finals. So, you know, imagine them getting the job done and going all the way to the final. That would be so good for those uh, Milwaukee fans out there. The long wait for them is over, and you know, you can understand. Um, how it is uh, being a pained sports fanatic, of course, with, uh, you know, New York, I guess, at the moment. Not much to really talk about them 
Um, that's my team, of course. So, and you know, obviously with the Cowboys too at the moment in the rugby league, not doing too well. So, you know, you have your ups and your downs um, when it comes to sport. And as long as you stay faithful, I think that's the main thing. So, that's uh, we'll see how things go. But yeah, it should be two exciting series. And you know, you can't really put your put it past Golden State going for another championship at the end of the day. They're just that good a team, and even without Kevin Durant there, you know, they're still really strong. I mean, they they lost DeMarcus Cousins in the centres um, heading into the playoffs, and what they did is just put an SOS call out to Andrew Bogut, who won the championship, the first championship of this dynasty with them, um, and he was the MVP in the NBL this year, so he's come back on form at the right time, so... Yeah, you know, for him to then fly over, link up with Golden State again and potentially win another ring with them as well is going to be quite significant. So, yeah, they've just got um they've just got stocks everywhere have Golden State. They've got great players even if they lose one, like even if Steph Curry goes down, they can still win games, you know. They've that's how good they are. Clay Thompson, uh Draymond Green and all. So, yeah. Uh, solid team and again just like Mercedes keep winning everything <laughs> you know we needed we need something different now going into the future but um, yeah just the way things are at the moment in the NBA I mean LeBron James and the Lakers are they going to be contenders next year who knows I mean they've got to sort out their internal issues first they've got a new coach actually which is good to hear. They've got uh, Frank Vogel, who was coach of the Indiana Pacers for quite some time, and that series between um, the Pacers and the Miami Heat um, a few years ago in the Eastern Conference Finals, actually, going to Game 7, that was quite something. And, then you know, back when they had Paul George and the like on the Pacers too, they were quite a strong team in the East. Uh, not anymore, unfortunately. So... Yeah, that about wraps it up for this week. So, talking about a lot about teams that just can't stop winning. Um, Mercedes, Golden State. Uh, do you want to say the Sydney Roosters as well, potentially? Uh, you know, but, you know, they're not that dominant, I guess. They haven't been that dominant. You know, that's the beauty of the NRL is it's just so so unpredictable that, you know, you haven't had a team go back-to-back with premierships since the Broncos in the 90s. So... You know, that's just how great they've been, the competition. It just changes every year. So, yeah, I guess that's about it then. Um, TCR this weekend, MotoGP, uh, football, if you, you know, not the round ball stuff. I don't don't want to talk about that. Too much flopping. Um, but, yeah, you know, your AFL footy and rugby as well should be good to watch. Um, other than that, hope you guys enjoy your weekends rest of the week what have you and um we'll catch you next week we've got two big races next week the jewel and the crown races monaco and the indy 500 so be exciting to to go see those so thanks for tuning in and catch you next time